The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. It's Monday. It's uh, back to work. For me in particular, I have a long week of work. Uh, to starting Tuesday, I'm back on call with the hospital and... And of course, we're trying to get this project completed this week. And top of that, I gotta do. Um, I gotta take my daughter to Disney on Ice. So, fun times are ahead this this uh, this week. Well, I said that I wouldn't talk about ba- I wouldn't talk about basketball for this, but of course, I'm back talking about basketball again because that's the only the hot. That's where the only juicy stuff is. And of course, uh, Thursday, Heather like uh, threw another gauntlet down and got rid of. Uh, well, not really got rid of it. It was just fired her. Fired Susie McConnell Serio as the head women's basketball coach. And for me, it was. It was. We all knew it was coming. And it looks like Heather's pretty much cleaning house where she can uh, clean it. So if I'm uh, if I'm pit baseball coach Joe Giordano, I'm probably swing probably swing a little bit. Because it's pretty simple. If she you know if she didn't hire you. On top of that, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, winning games, she doesn't really have to keep you. She can go find somebody else. And that's the thing about it, is that she didn't hire you. So, at this point, she doesn't have to keep you. And I'm, and I'm thinking that's, you know, that's the message, really, she's trying to send that if you're not performing, then you're out. You know, as far as Susie goes, for me, I was disappointed. Not that she was let go by how her tenure went. Because, um, she did pretty well at Duquesne. And I guess, uh, well, supposedly she was halfway decent in the women's NBA coaching, but if you look at her record with the WNBA, it's not really all that good. But she was a very good coach at Oakland Catholic, if I remember. She had some really good teams. I know she had a really good... I know... I know... One year, I think it was 98, she had a really good team, 97-98, but there was a team like Keysport 
that was a lot better, and it was, and they had spin cash. I mean, Suzy's teams were really good. The Oakland Catholic, that Oakland Catholic team was really good that year, I remember, and they just couldn't beat Swin Cash. So, I figured all that success that she had, well, quote-unquote success, she would um, do good at Pitt. I, th- I, th- I thought that because of how she did, she did at um, Oakland Catholic, WNBA, and she did really good, really good Duquesne, but a lot of people attribute her success at Duquesne to Dan Burt, who now is that coach there. I guess he was the assistant. Now he's the head coach. <clears throat> uh, I'm just waking up. So I can understand that. I mean, ever since she's left, ever since she's left Duquesne, the program really hasn't missed a beat. You know, they're winning games. And I guess they just went to they just went to NCAA tournament. So they're doing big things there, and obviously the logical choice to replace Susie. A lot of people want Dan Burt. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot of people we wanted for the pit job. And Heather went a whole different direction. I mean, in the case of Jeff Capel, she had an ace up her sleeve for the most part because a lot of us were expecting, you know, a very underwhelming hire. Although the coach was saying Bonaventure Schmidt would have been a probably good hire, but. It's just the timing wasn't good. He'd have been, I think Schmidt would have been more logical if uh, after Jamie left, because he would have took over Jamie's players. But not this time around. They were need somebody of different pedigree. But yeah, Heather Heather had an ace up her sleeve when she made that hire. And my guess is. It'll be the same thing. I don't see her. I don't see them going after Dan Burt. And the thing is, is Dan Burt really want to leave Duquesne because, and is Duquesne want Dan Burt to leave because Duquesne could give him some, some more money or invest more in their basketball program because it, it's done pretty well for being Duquesne. Whereas the Pitt program. And women's basketball has been pretty much been bipolar for the most part. It was really bad. I guess when Tracy Waits was there, we hired Agnes, and Agnes did really well. I mean, it took a long time for her to build that program. It was a big overhaul, and they had two straight NCAA tournament appearances. 
and they and they weren't just they weren't exactly one and dones either. They actually won NCAA tournament games. I mean, they weren't just there to hang out and ha have fun. So okay, we lost our game. We're done. But, you know, they they made they made a run. I think the one year they went to the Sweet Sixteen, and they had some really good players. I mean. Addison's recruiting really got good, really picked up. But then it hit a snag. Well, not really hit a snag. It's just that um, she had some uh, some conflicts with her players and, and I guess, tried to change her offense around. And it just didn't work out. She lost the whole recruiting class. I think the most telling signs were she had a verbal commitment from Markel Walker, who was Mercedes Walker's younger sister. She was a pit lean for she was a pit commitment for so long. Then her final year, as things were wrapping up, she decommits. And goes to UCLA, which gives you another reason. That besides uh, the Ben Helen thing, to hate UCLA. She lost her, and she lost um, an entire recruiting class that uh, that included Pepper Wilson, who pretty much was like Mercedes, but a lot bigger, a lot a lot taller. I can say. I remember. Uh, <laughs> I remember one time I, was, I worked at Children's Hospital. One time I was in the elevator, and you know, a lot of times you'll see a lot of pit, a lot of the pit players take the elevators at Children's Hospital. I know I ran to um, I ran to Mallory Mar went a bunch of times. We'd be in the elevator together. Well, there's other people, but you know, I mean, man, she was. She was a sight to behold when she wasn't not in a basketball uniform. That's all I'll say. Very beautiful woman. Well, we're in the elevator. I guess uh, Mercedes. I guess uh, <clears throat> Pepper Wilson. I think two of our women's basketball players were in the elevator, and um, I guess. Uh, they must have just got working out because Pepper had, you know, some spandex shorts on. Not sure why. I'm not sure why that was important. I just brought that up, but I just did anyway. <laughs> but um, my coworker, he's like five foot four. I mean, five five maybe. He's really, really small. And like, I just remember him like in the elevator, just looking up to her. And I think even she laughed as well. Her, I guess her and the girls that she was with, she laughed as well, I remember. Because he was just like so small. And he looks up at her and she's like towering over him. But, um, when we had a lot, I mean, there was, when you had her and there was uh, another player too, I think she was local as well, I remember. I forget her name. She had an entire crin class leave that year. 
two of them were power. I mean, actually, I think all three of them were power forwards. At least I know. At least I know Pepper was a center, but their two, I think, were power forwards. And I think the argument was that supposedly uh, Agnes was trying to get to was trying to do do a more guard oriented offense. Maybe she was trying to do in terms of the ACC or whatnot, but I don't know. I mean, for me. Personally, I would stick to what works. I mean, if Jamie was changing his whole philosophy around for the ACC because he was a Big East program, he built it like that. I don't know. I think I would have stuck with my formula. And just recruited bruisers. You know, that's how Jamie got good was he recruited bruisers. Some of these guys may have been undersized for positions, but they were gritty. They were grinding. And they made plays. But uh, Agnes lost the recruit. Yeah, going back to what my thing was. Agnes lost the entire recruiting class. And it just wasn't the same. And it just fell apart. Susie came back. Well, actually, she had come back. But she came to Pitt. And the team eventually, you know, she got them in the NCAA tournament. I think the first year it was NIT. The second year was NCAA tournament, but Agnes kind of left Susie some some decent players. There was one really good in particular, and after the, after that person graduated, that's when the slide started to hit, and then you have some of the better players. Especially one that was local, Leaf Pitt. I mean, she. I mean, she had no school lined up to leave. She just got up and got. She got up and got the hell out of there. And doing some more digging. In the case of uh, Susie, she was having some uh, conflicts with players. She was verb- she was verbally, I guess, abusive. Is what the term is. Uh, you can say that uh, her coaching style was very similar to her uh, mentor Renee Portland, and we all know how what happened to Renee. Well, for one thing, Renee had issues with lesbians. And, of course, uh, the state's... The state's response to that was to send her diversity training for 30 days, I think is what it was. So, if you're wondering how... Um, how I asked backwards our, you know, our state you know, government was, or the state itself was, and how they handled things, like, the same, like with Sandusky... There you go, right there. <laughs> Center diversity training. <laughs> but um, Renee, same thing. Her style wore on her players, and that, and it's just um, that's how what why Renee Portland is out of college basketball and has never been, you know, she's never been back ever. And I guess Susie's philosophy, you know, the way Susie coaches is similar to that. And 
with a lot of these players of today, you just can't, it doesn't work. You can't do it. It doesn't work anymore. Because in their mind, they'll just go somewhere else. And that's how it is anywhere. I mean, if you have a boss that's like that, and you, you'll put up with it. You just go find another job. <laughs> you go work elsewhere. It's just unnecessary to deal with it. Okay, enough of that. But let's just say those are, you know, on top of with what Susie uh, was doing, uh, you know, the one loss record wasn't helping much either, and players leaving, so it was a logical thing to get rid of her. So we'll see what Heather does. I'm not sure if it's going to be Dan Burt, but I think she has another ace up her sleeve. I brought up Shay Ralph because she did pretty well under Agnes. And I think you know, Agnes wasn't the same when Shay when Shay Ralph left. I think she'd be on her choice as well, but we'll see what Heather does. All right, we spent almost 15 minutes talking about the women's basketball program, which is crazy. I spent, I've done more talk about the women's basketball than football, which I'm not going to do football today because I'm going to do football probably in the next podcast because I don't really dig much in the spring football. I don't put too much stock in it, but it's still we'll still talk about it though. Uh, Parker Stewart leaves Pitt, and like I said, I wasn't all surprised when Parker left. You know, right before he announced he was decommitting, not decommitting. I'm sorry, uh, requesting his release. He was posting his uh, his video highlights on his Twitter account, and I'm pretty much doing that in there. He was he was advertising himself. Which is no, you know, no surprise. Yeah, it was, you know, we hired Capel, and it got kind of quiet since then. And of course, his dad releases a releases a tweet about blah blah blah. We're just trying to figure out what best for Parker and yada yada yada. And right then there, I guess you could tell his his his, uh, his dad was diplomatically doing his exit. But one thing to to think about is Parker. Um, Parker was a little miscommit, and when they had a coaching change there, he decommitted. And here with the with the Stallings firing, he had a clean break, and he could go elsewhere and start start elsewhere. Is he a big loss? Not really, because I mean he been he he would have been had a nice piece of puzzle to you know to keep, but he's replaceable. He's pretty much he's pretty much a, a new updated version of Ron Ramon. If you want three point shooting, he's gonna be the guy you get the ball to. And I think he was showing improvement as the year went on, but I think in a few years he he will be a really good basketball player. I think he will. So. It sucks to lose him, but we're going to have to see what exactly Jeff Cable has in store, what he can do recruiting-wise. I know one player that's, that's on the ropes as well is Marcus Carr. He's talking to Villanova. You'd hate to lose him as well. But like I said, when you have a coaching change... 
after playing a year of college hoops and you show what you can do, your stock obviously goes up. And that's what's happened with a lot of these players. Their stock has gone up. Marcus Carr is hearing from a bunch of programs. And yeah, after an Owen 19 ACC season, if Villanova, the defending national champions, who just won a national championship, is calling me, I'm probably going to listen. I say, okay, a national championship team is interested in me, so I can go there and play, probably play for their national title under under Jay Wright, maybe go to their Final Four or whatnot, or I could stay at Pitt and build off of 0-19-8 season in the ACC Conference. What am I, what, what 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 would I do? There's probably a good chance I'm going to Villanova. Because of just of just of that. But another thing gonna factor in when you make these type of changes is the situation you're getting into at Villanova. Obviously it's a stable one, but are you as far as playing time goes, how is that gonna work out? Are you gonna actually play or Jay Wright can recruit guys above and below you. He's that good of a coach. And there's a lot of players just like you in his system. So that's up to Marcus Carr, what he wants what he wants to do. I just don't know if I see him as a fit in uh, his system. But, well, stranger things have happened. So, those are two gone. Cameron Davis is staying, which is great. Which is great because he's got a lot of upside and he's only going to get better. He's shown a lot of a lot of progress. Now, to wrap it up, I watched the, uh, the uh, Paterno movie over the weekend. It came on, it's, you know, it's 7 o'clock Central Time here, you know, down in Texas and on HBO. To me, though, it's 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 odd because as far as information goes, it's there's, there was nothing more groundbreaking or anything. It was pretty much rehashing all the events and all the information that was gathered back in 2011. You had, um... It starts out with, you know, with a grand jury report. At one time it was posted on the PenLive website and they got taken down all of a sudden. So Sarah Ganim couldn't find it. Eventually got reposted and of course they show everybody reading the uh, depth of the whole thing. And obviously Joe's kids were freaking out. Mostly Scott was over it. And he's trying to call us, you know, trying to call his dad that day, and his dad was going over with his dad was reviewing Nebraska, and obviously couldn't be bothered. And I think his mom hung up on him because he said that uh, 
<laughs> he had to really, he couldn't, you know, not to hang up. He had to talk to, really had to talk to him about this. And Joe obviously had the whole grand jury report in the movie. Joe obviously wasn't a lot concerned about it. He was worried about, he was too busy preparing for Nebraska. That's all he cared about at that point was Nebraska. And you can say in the end, what he really wanted to do was just coach football. That, that was it. He wasn't trying to get himself tied into what Jerry Sandusky was doing or what he was being charged with. He wanted to focus on his fo- his, his football program and get them ready for the uh, the game because that year they just they just barely they just came off that win against Illinois, which they, which they showed where they barely won. But um, Penn State was in a hunt for the Big Ten title that season. In fact, I think they were they were either seven and one or eight and one at the time Joe was fired. So then the Nebraska game was was a big game for them. And, of course, at the time they had Taylor Martinez. And I guess they had Rex Burkhead, I think, as well. But that was when Polini was the coach. But, event, I mean, you can see... You can see where sports and politics start to inter, 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 intervene, basically, or intersect, I should say, in this whole thing, because Joe was all about the game, whereas you had his son, you know, Scott, and other people, they were concerned about the whole thing and about what his dad did or didn't do, and his dad supposedly reported it to the higher ups, and he felt. And you know, people said, "Well, is that all you did? Is that all you did? I mean, did you do more?" And he wasn't worried about it because he he didn't think he was going to be affected by it at all. And he didn't think his him or his family members were going to be affected by it either. But eventually, the you know, it happened. And you know, there were some very telling scenes. I mean, they hired a crisis manager and. The crisis manager wanted Joe to retire, and Joe Joe refused. Was refusing, and the crisis guy said, "You, get, you better do it now, or they're going to do it for you." You know, go out. You know, in a, go out. In a, you know, go out. You know, easy. And I guess it showed. It showed us. It showed a uh, flashback to a uh, to an event where two trustees, I guess, visited Joe, and they said they were trying to get trying to get rid of him. And Joe said, "You know, I uh, have a team that's." They could win a national championship this year. I've donated all this money. Go ahead and try it. If you want to fire me, go and try it. So, that year, as you all remember, that was 2005. Penn State went 11 1. They won the Orange Bowl. You know, they almost, uh, they could have won. They were a contender for a national title. They could, you know, but the problem with Penn State was. There were two other undefeated teams that year besides besides them if they would have been undefeated. There was Texas and USC, which you, you had Texas that had, that had uh, Vince Young. And then you had USC that had, you know, of course, Linehard, Reggie Bush, 
all them guys. So even if Penn State would have went undefeated that year, they, they were they were going to get screwed no matter what because people were going to want to see a Texas USC game than anything with Penn State. Penn State could have won and probably got a share of the national title. But it didn't happen like that. They um, they lost to Michigan by, by two because um, during Michigan's last drive, Lloyd Carr got into an argument with the refs. And they had two seconds back on, and those two seconds were the big difference is Michigan got one last play, and Henny found Mario Manningham in the end zone. You know, people were really mad after you know at that whole thing. I remember it in particular. It, you know, in the terms in the days of the message boards, how big they were. I remember Penn State fans on I used to go on Blue White Illustrated to see all the fans celebrate. And they were celebrating the hell of that Michigan game to a point where they went on the Michigan boards and were trolling. And what's what's great about Penn State loss is why I love I used to love going to the message boards when they would lose because they would do all this conspiracy theories. And if they hate the officials so badly from that game, they would look up the they would uh, get the names of the officials. They would look up their information. I mean, they would have their they would have the the uh, pers- their personal information posted on their message board. I mean, they would have the companies that these guys work for, what they do for a living, and they would have where they where they live. They would have pictures of their houses, of the homes, thanks to Google Earth. I mean, they would totally have a background check on these officials. But that meltdown that day was epic because they were so happy that they they, they were about to whip Michigan. Michigan drives down the field, scores, and it was like, lot, I mean, I remember there was a lot of cussing, a lot of this, a lot of that, and it was great. I mean, I think I spent the whole night on the message boards, just refreshing, and of course, reading everything. that year they barely missed they barely missed out because they beat everybody else the Ohio State game with Troy against Troy Smith was a close one and they won that one but if there was an appropriate time where Joe was to go out and retire 2005 would have been that year not in the perfect year for him to retire. And even uh, some alums I talked to even said that, that Joe's biggest downfall was he didn't retire when he should have. He, he should have stepped out a long time ago. You know, they don't really blame, as one guy, you know, a few of them tell me, they don't blame the sanctions for really what, you know, what happened to them. I mean, it did help hurt, you know, it did contribute in a little bit, but it was also the fact that Joe would not step down because recruiting started to uh, fall off. They were landing the players necessary to keep up with the competition. 
mean, the guys they were landing were just just weren't good enough. And it was pretty it was pretty obvious that year in Joe's last year when Bradley took over for his few games. They when they played Houston in that bowl game and Houston destroyed them. I mean, Houston could. I mean. Like I've said before in these bonus podcasts, I've, I've watched Houston. That, that was Case Keenum, Houston Cougars. They, and, you know, they they should have went to a BCS bowl game that year, but they lost the uh, conference USA title game. They choked. But um, if they would have um, that game was an off, I mean that was an off game for them. I mean when they played Penn State, that team they weren't even clicking all cylinders. I mean, that's that's the thing about that Cougar team was they would have there were games where they were just they were off, they were they were off and if they were clicking all cylinders that that game that score would have been a lot worse than what it was. I mean, they were just they were too fast for Penn State. That's how conference USA was. They were a fast conference. I mean, there was there was a lot of speed in that conference. I, I remember just from watching them. But um, obviously, closing in on this, I knew that Joe you know had cancer, but I didn't realize that you know what you know. I thought it was treatable, but. As the scene goes on, I guess obviously they weren't going to treat him because of his hip. That he hit a bad hip, and plus he had bronchitis and his age. It just wasn't going to, you know, it just wasn't going to work. So, off, you know, off he went. I mean, if anything, you can say maybe him being fired because like the crisis manager said somebody would do the former of course they got rid of him you know he probably would have died coaching like a lot of people said that he was going to do die coaching and he almost did he pretty much almost, almost did you know and he ended up dying um, you know retired and of course, he at least got to spend time with his family before that all ended. And of course, as the movie ends, a kid, you know, some somebody calls him Sarah Gannon and says that he was, you know, blessed by Jerry in 1976. And he told Joe, and Joe said that Jerry was a nice guy to leave him alone for the most part. So that was a pretty riveting part of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, check it out. It's a good movie. I liked it. I mean, Pacino did a hell of a job portraying Joe. I mean, if you're a pro Penn State guy, you're probably not, you know, you probably won't like this movie. Well, it depends on what type of Penn State person you are. I mean, are you over the whole Paterno stuff, over the Sandusky stuff, and you're on board with James Franklin, or are you still holding on to the past? So, it depends. Anyways, 
This is my longest podcast ever. 35 minutes. I'm signing off, you guys. Have a good week. Hell to pit. Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.